Welcome again to Back to the Future Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie Back to the Future Part 2, one biff scolding minute at a time. I'm Scott Corelli. I'm Nick Jimenez in the news. And joining us this week for Patreon All-Star Week Day 1, Kevin Miller. Welcome. Hello, I'm excited to be here, guys. All right. Kevin is uh, the man responsible for Back to the Future No Roads Edition. That last five bucks. Yeah, that's right. Sat there for so long. I was like, all right, here you go. But then didn't somebody else have to donate 70, 70 cents or something to finally yeah, get you there? Yeah, because of the, the the fees the Patreon takes out or whatever. Oh, the Patreon yeah. fees. So I'll, I'll share the credit. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, actually, he'll be yeah. joining us uh, later in the week. So, uh, yeah, credit, mm, credit where credit's due for, for both of you. Uh, so <laughs> today we are going back to minute 71, which starts – with uh, geriatric Biff telling his youthful self, uh, you're a damn fool. And ends with Marty telling Doc that he's locked in the garage. <laughs> I think the beginning and the end of this minute like encapsulate, oh my God, M- Marty is like the worst and luckiest spy ever. <laughs> like just thinking it's a good, like the minute it literally opens with his face in the back seat. Like thinking that's a great idea for a hiding spot, and he just he proceeds the whole rest of the movie to just get lucky at not being spotted over and over. He really and over. is fortune's yeah. fool. But the but the yes. but what he what he uh, uh, the cost of being so good at badly hiding is that he constantly gets stuck into situations he doesn't want to be in. He's always forgotten. Yeah, he's very you know, easily like, like last last <laughs> week we talked about because uh, we, we just recorded last for last week. And uh, and last week we talked about how he's hiding in the back seat, and, you know, he's very poorly hidden underneath a blanket. And he pays for that by getting uh, full Assaulted. cans of oil. Yeah. Thrown into oh, his crotch. So <laughs> and he jumped he jumped in the back of the car without really checking to see if there was a hiding place for him. So luckily there was a yeah. blanket he could hide under. Marty Marty's going about ah, this so. the way that I play Shadow of Mordor. Like I'm just I'm just kind of <laughs> foot, I'm fancy free. I'm going in. I'm not really Karen who's on my radar. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we we have his mugging uh, also, like just his his constant face of reaction, almost like we're watching a silent movie. Marty yeah. accident is, is I mean, is absolutely that one friend who has accidentally heard one of his friends having sex, like uh, during like a campout or something, because they just <laughs> forgot he was in the room. <laughs> yeah, and just making that horrified face oh, for no. an hour. Uh, oh man! Oh, uh, it's one. I mean. <laughs> Do I say anything? It goes back. It goes back to him with the whole inconspicuous outfit, and then just thinking he's hot shit with the leather jacket and the the hat, and like, no, you're Marty McFly, man. <laughs> you know who he looks like? He looks like he looks like uh, Chip from Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Oh wow! Oh, he does. Yes. <laughs> oh, wait. Chip, is it? Is it? Chip? Oh yeah, because Dale is the one that looks like Magnum PI, and Chip is the one that looks like Indiana Jones. Yes, the greatest. Uh, the, the greatest I think that's it. The greatest inside joke in animation history. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. It, it's it. That is the most bizarre thing because it's just like, it's like somebody not only was like, yeah, let's base these two chipmunk characters off of 
off of this guy from a famous TV show and and this this guy from a favorite movie series, but also the fact that the guy from the famous TV show almost played the guy in the movie series. Oh, oh yeah. So like, I've been thinking. I forgot I've about been, that. I've been thinking for a while now uh, in this wake of, you know, like Disney sort of on fire right now with like Jungle Book and Zootopia and, you know, they're, they're people really like Disney again in a way they kind of didn't in like the 2000s. And I was like, I'm kind of waiting for the the Disney afternoon to like get the treatment. Like I, I want like a Chippendale Rescue Rangers like animated movie like on the quality of Zootopia. I think that would be like amazing. In a world, I, I just uh, uh, in, in a world where they're making a, a Speedy Gonzalez movie, mm-hmm. I, I I can't imagine Rescue Rangers is that far behind. Or like Ducktales, you can do anything with Ducktales. Well, they've already done a Ducktales movie. Oh yeah, you remember uh, Tailspin? Oh yeah. yeah, like that that like weird steampunk Jungle Book. Yeah. They should do it. That should be the Jungle was, Book sequel. They should get Bill Murray back as Blue, but now he's just like driving a. He's just a pilot. <laughs> Tailsman. I always get this smushed in my head. There's, I don't know, like all those cartoons I kind of picture as the same yeah, cartoon. Yeah, one long. Well, they crossed over a lot, if you remember. Yeah. Um, DuckTales, Tailspin, uh, and, I, and uh, uh, Darkwing Duck. Duck. Right? I was like the. Like, Darkwing Duck? Yeah. Man. I was like right on my way out of childhood when I just Googled and Rescue Rangers was 1989, same year as Back to the Future 2 wow. uh, when it wow, came that's out. that's really so surprising the animation on Rescue Rangers was great if I remember correctly. It was like really high end. <laughs> you might not remember correctly. Yeah, well, it was really high end <laughs> animation, which was something they weren't doing at the time. They were doing like really crappy animation at the time. Mm-hmm, like the gummy bears or. No, no, no. Gummy yeah, bears. Yeah, it seemed to step up. Because that was all the Disney animated shows were good animation. Yeah, it was, it, but like, like uh, real Ghostbusters was like bad animation. Sure, Jabber Jaw. It was like right. Yeah, yeah, and like GI Joe and Transformers, like all of those were like, those were you know those were the ones where they were filming in like eighths or or instead of sixteenths or twenty fours like they're supposed to, you mm-hmm. know. Right. Um, yeah, it gets that kind of shaky right, look right. to it. But uh, <laughs> anyway. this has been rescue (laughs) you end up talking about animation a lot when you're watching these movies though right post roger rabbit it just happens (laughs) that's the only thing this movie needs an animated character so we get a great biff butt shot we do do uh, yeah whose butt is that you think that's thomas l wilson's butt or or do you think that's thomas l wilson's arm or or that, is, w- is it either of them or are they like both doubles and they like second unit shot that? You know, the sound. Yeah, they go back and forth. Yeah, they do go back. The, could be either one. This sounds weird, but just the the way that he's the just the acting of his lower body is telling me that that's Tom F. Wilson. Just like this. Just like, the, <laughs> just just like the swag of it is like that's, that's so him. I don't know. I don't, yeah, he's got that. Uh, I, man, I love just watching the, this movie. His acting is amazing yeah. in it. Just he's so versatile, like in the the distinct characters that he plays. I think he's the he's the Leah Thompson of this movie. Oh. Totally, he might be because Leah Thompson is not very Leah Thompson in this. He doesn't have the opportunity to be. To be totally honest, no. He would, yeah, uh, he oh, wins it's... this episode of Whose Line, I guess, and like, I, you know what I mean? Like, right. he's sort of like the MVP <laughs> of this particular installment. Does Absolutely. he have a performance right. in? 
like is, is he like a groundlings guy you know what i mean like i, I guess because like from generation that he's in i don't know you're you're the, one, Thomas yeah. you're the one that looked up all the actors that that's was your true. job that's very true yeah i just <laughs> I, mean, I think he still does stand-up comedy if i'm not mistaken yeah yeah he has yeah I've he has that. that uh back to the future song that he sings um about not stop asking him questions about Back to the Future. It's like it's like his uh, it, it, it it's a it's a song he made out of all the questions that people ask him about Back to the Future, yes. and he answers them in the song so that people will stop asking him those questions. And the the uh, the title of the song is "What's Michael J. Fox Like? He's yeah, Nice," right? <laughs> so that's his refrain that he keeps coming back to. It's a good song. Yeah, it is. Uh, also, I just switched Wikipedia from Rescue Rangers to Thomas F. Wilson and discovered that when he moved to uh, L.A. in the early 1980s, he shared an apartment with Andrew Dice Clay and Yakov Smirnov. Damn. That's, that's like that's like when you hear stories about like Spielberg and Coppola and Lucas all hanging out. You know what I mean? Like just the melding of minds. Yeah. In that apartment. Oh, no. That actually brings up something sorry, really sorry. interesting. Yes. Mm. Is... Biff Tannen, just Thomas Elf Wilson doing an impression of his old roommate, Andrew Dice Clay. Andrew Dice Clay. <laughs> he said before that his performance was inspired by like bullies that he had been bullied by. But I wonder if Andrew Dice Clay is yeah, one of those. Tommy, fuck off. He couldn't, he couldn't just say his old roommate. Uh, yeah, Andrew Dice Clay. That would be too much of a giveaway. Um, Andrew, give me my ball. Oh, is this your ball? Yakov, catch. Oh, oh get it. <laughs> Bite. I don't don't get me involved, guys. <laughs> Please no. <laughs> hey guys, I got cast. In the, I just imagine he passed to be like the no, the most normal person of that crew. But he's like, hey guys, I just got cast in this new as uh, a movie. It could be pretty cool. Hey, great. Go. I need you to be gone for two. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Uh, my dad. That's like a uh, Gene Hackman and uh, Dustin Hoffman were roomies in New oh, York, yeah. like a starving yeah. artist back in the day. Or like, um, funny how that works. Yeah, or like um, um, Al Gore and someone, Tommy Lee Jones. Uh, and I'm just, yeah, <laughs> I'm just pulling names out of a hat. I don't think they're even in. The, I, I don't <laughs> think they're quite the same age range. <laughs> Probably not. It's uh, awesome. Uh, but Damn. but yeah, I I really like that bit where uh, you know uh, geriatric Biff is scolding his younger self. Oh, yeah, about the safe. Yeah, about the safe, and he's like, he's like, he's like, you know, put it, just put it in a safe. He's like, you don't have a safe. We'll get a safe. Yes. Oh, it's a great little yeah. moment. And uh, do, do you guys notice when we rewatch this, the face that oh, Young Biff makes? Like, oh, it's so good. Tongue like lolls out of his mouth. <laughs> like you just imagine, just, uh, you're like, this is what you sound like. <laughs> you know, you almost kind yeah. of want. Like they are kind of like the the Wario and Waluigi to Biff. I mean to Doc and and Marty. Like I kind of want just a whole movie yeah. where it's just team versus team. You know, and they're, and they're yeah, I could hopping through time trying to like one up each other, or like you know Mart Doc or just Mario karting around with the DeLorean versus the forty six Ford. Oh my gosh, that'd be great. That's a that's a little bit uh that's a little bit of the plot of Back to the Future: The Ride. Mm. Yeah, I I read that once when I was a kid, but I, I look forward to you guys talking about it because is it on YouTube? Can just anybody yep. watch it? Yeah, oh, nice. Footage. I'll check you that can out. find the footage. Uh, the footage from the it's also on all the Blu-rays. Like it's in the special features and stuff. 
Um, but it's uh-huh. it's really cropped because for some reason, like because the ride was shot using IMAX cameras, um, for some reason they decided to crop it. But it's this weird thing where IMAX cameras shoot in four by three ish, and then right. they they cropped it, but they cropped it into just like a smaller version of four by three. Oh yeah, like double. Yeah, cropped. I don't. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Nobody can figure out why they decided to do this. My theory is like whatever they use to to digitize the IMAX print from the ride, um, just wasn't big enough for the IMAX film. Mm-hmm. I I don't know because um, there's really I'm no reason out. for them to have done that. I I hope they redo it at yeah. some point, but um, but yeah. you can also find like uh, people with like camcorders who are like filming the ride while they were on it. Um, and nice. those are shaky. Yeah. Thing. Well, and they're, they're weirdly a little better because, uh, they just, I don't know. You get more of the vibe of the ride that way. Yeah. They get the point yeah. across. Um, I always, uh, like when the Tron legacy trailer, that, that first teaser for Tron legacy, where you first see Jeff Bridges is in this and get really uh-huh. excited. Uh, it was a comic con trailer and the, the second way I saw it was the official release on the web. But the first way I saw it was a shaky cam at Comic-Con when they first released it. And it's really blurry in the background. Yeah. And I love that version so much better because you can just sense the just orgasm and collective in the room whenever they first see the light bike and Jeff oh, Bridges. And yeah. the, yes. the camera literally shakes because the person filming it is so excited. And yeah, so much like that. You can kind of appreciate the you are there yeah, feeling. Definitely. Yeah, I love watching um, like Comic-Con like videos of like, like this is really specific, but like um, they did like an extended theme song of this like cartoon called Steven Universe, and they played it mm-hmm. for the fans. And just like the, I'm not even like that big a fan of the show, but just the joy in that room towards like this thing is like so like oh my god, that's so cool. And yeah, it's it it it's kind of why I'm I'm a little bit bittersweet about kind of the end of the age of Comic Con that we're starting to see. You mean just in terms of overblown, too big yeah, to have yeah. an impact? Yeah, like, like, like it, it kind of feels like people are sort of not going anymore. They're starting to not go anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I think I remember Will Wheaton tweeting that, you know, in, in order to find some alone time at Comic-Con, he would go to the comic book section. Yeah. <laughs> which is kind of how far it's fallen, That's you know? sad. <laughs> yeah. But there we are. So uh, doesn't uh, old Biff kind of cut straight to the point and encouraging his younger self to commit murder. <laughs> By the way, like bit. just, uh, you know, one more thing. If these people ever show yeah. up, I need you to kill them. Yeah. I old man who you just met. Uh, I, thought, I just yeah. thought that was a little like, all right, we didn't need script wise. Yeah. We didn't need that to be witnessed, but maybe Bob Gale couldn't think of something else for them to talk about. Yeah. That point. Well, and also, also granted, like, the, the way Zemeckis directed it, it's like they're, they're outside. And so you're just hearing it, the muffled conversation. Um, you know, the yeah. focus at that point is on Marty, like peeking over the over the back seat. So <laughs> clumsily when they could easily just look inside. And, oh, hey, Marty. <laughs> yeah. Is that a squirrel? <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a Canadian raccoon in my car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not going back in a hat. You got a little hat. It's a rescue hat. ranger. <laughs> 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 uh, 
But yeah, I thought that was like, I don't know, maybe you could ease into that old Biff. Like, this guy is obviously, I don't know, back to the lollygagging face. Like, he has just been shown magic. Like, <laughs> this amazing phenomenon that is going to make him millions of dollars. And he's still making a goofy face at the notion that he should, like, keep the book. Which is not a criticism. Like, that's a great, you know, that's what the character is. So it totally, it totally fits. It's just fun. Yeah, he just does not appreciate anything. He just hates authority. Man. Right. Yeah. Uh, Also, uh, so so after they leave and Marty is like, "Okay, I'm going to get out of the car. And he does. He kind of just like he kind of just like ninja drifts over the car. Oh, Oh, it's so slides down. He's such a pimp. He doesn't even need to make a big show out of it. Yeah, it's super smooth. It's so smooth. And he moves. He moves like a loose sheet of paper. Like you drop. Like (laughs) he's just so light, man. (laughs) Yeah. Like water. When you weigh 80 pounds, you know, you can you do know, some tricks. In real life, he could have been a hell of a ballet dancer. Yeah. Or uh, parkour. Oh, parkour, definitely. I, I mean... I think it was a Back to the Future 1 slide across I mean, the hood. The totally think, needless think, and awesome. Talk, I, I, I think... Have we talked about this on, on this show? I think we have. But, like, we talked about how they, mm. they he was almost the Flash in a Zemeckis-directed Flash movie. And we were talking about how... Uh, how good of a Spider-Man he would have been. Um, like if yeah. they made a, an 80s Spider-Man movie, I mean, Michael J. Fox would have been like the perfect Peter Parker Spider-Man. Uh, Pretty much what they yeah, were. Yeah. And these parkour moves he's got going on. I mean, just kind of prove it. Yeah. yeah. That combined with his just, you would never in a million years think that he's a superhero right. vibe Absolutely. as evidenced by his spy game. Absolutely. Here. It really kind of, uh, mm-hmm you really kind of uh, have to appreciate that kind of uh, physical performance and comedy. You know, I mean, that's kind of why people I think have such a love for Melissa McCarthy is it's kind of like, yeah, like she can improv, but it's also just like, look at how like, you know, it's so visual, you know? Right. Mm -hmm. Actually, you know, Melissa McCarthy, she would be a really, uh, she would be a really good actress to work with Zemeckis at some point. I think that they would, yeah, I, I think because I think he would he would bring the best out of her um, and, and probably mm-hmm. put her in a really great role that would allow her that sort of um, uh, that that, you know, kind of cartoonish like action comedy that she does. Mm-hmm. But but also like ground it the way the Back to the Future movies are are fairly grounded. And she would also make a very yeah, good. She would. This is Biff Tannen. She would. Yeah. <laughs> would that would that be the mother of this uh daughter we always hear about tiff tannen tiff tannen <laughs> had to come from somewhere <laughs> um so so yeah so he he ninja drifts out of the car and is super quiet like i mean it's amazing how good he is at not making a sound and then he goes mm-hmm. to open the door and it's locked, and suddenly he's just like, "Well, now I don't care about sound." Yeah, it's trapped. Yeah, he just yeah. In the no. garage door. I'm like, the Biffs haven't walked that far away. They're mm-hmm. gonna hear you banging yeah. away at the door. Like, come on, man. Yeah, I, I mean that being, I don't disagree with you. But my note on that moment is that he doesn't try to escape very hard. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's a, it's one padlock. He's already moving the doors. I mean, he's got a good chance here if he just gives it a... I mean, again, he's an 80-pound Canadian, yeah. so maybe he wouldn't have succeeded at the end. 
but he he gives up pretty quickly. Yeah, like it's it's a really loose door. Like it's yeah. I don't we know. could probably just squeeze through it. Honestly, I mean, he's still yeah, smoking. yeah. <laughs> just a crack in there. <laughs> I, I imagine Michael J. Fox is built like rats. You know, like they're, they they can fit into into any hole size that their head will fit into. You know, sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's just <laughs> as long as his beak can fit through, then the rest of him is <laughs> yeah. just like fluid. Yeah, and he can bite down like <laughs> twice his own weight or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and then he makes sure to say, I'm trapped, just in case we haven't gotten the point right, across right. here. Which is, love, which is just, that seems like, just, just, a, that, I mean, it's just a continuous stream of studio notes that you can just feel on every minute of th- this movie. Um, where people yeah. are just talking out loud the, what is happening at every given moment. Right. Uh, I mean, you from what you've read of the earlier drafts, it's this feels like a vestigial remnant of that almost, because there's just so much talking about things that we're, they're probably doing on screen, you know, if you actually yeah. film it. Well, I think uh, it's I think you're I think you're right. I think it, I think uh, I think maybe it's not studio notes. I think maybe maybe in fact it's um just that's just Bob Gale's writing style, and it was Zemeckis who Bobby. scaled all of that back. Mm-hmm. First movie yeah. when he co-wrote it. Yeah, I mean, we have seen Bob Gale have a yeah. second well, life I, as a writer in comic books. You know what I mean? So, like, that kind of maybe that's sort of that coming out, right? But I've like, uh, I mean, I've read pre-shooting screenplays. And they almost universally tend to have too much dialogue. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like the screenwriter is trying to get across without literally describing the mise-en-scene, yeah. you know, uh, trying to get across what what's happening. So I think almost every film has that pairing backstage. But then you're left with stuff like this where, yeah, we, we know you're trapped. You don't have to tell yourself out loud that you're trapped as long as you're making noise. <laughs> um, but, yeah, the, the windows in the garage, chain link windows. Yeah, those are serious, like, all right, only one way out. Not very fire safe, no. but he's, if he can't get past that impossible door, then he's not going anywhere. If uh, not into daylight <laughs> in his garage. Yeah. It makes it dark in there. And then, uh, I mean, this is the, the next minute or the one after, but, like, he's in there a while. Did he pee at some point <laughs> in Biff's garage? I don't know. I mean, I, Marty. He pellets. I mean, Marty doesn't, Marty doesn't <laughs> yeah. really sleep a lot. You never really see him eat or use the bathroom. I mean, I just don't think he functions like a normal human being. He's on Canada time. Yeah, I have made that. Yes, I have made that comment on uh, a while back about how he never bathes. Like we, we're never, we never leave his side basically, and so we, he never has the chance to bathe or eat or whatever. Like even on Twenty Four, you cut away from Jack Bauer occasionally, and you assume that he peed while you were. Well, while you were gone on commercial right. break, you know, but Marty doesn't really get any alone time from the audience. It'd be great if you just, if, if Doc opens the door and he's just like in a corner, like eating like a granola bar. Yeah. When he's wearing a leather jacket. <laughs> yeah. He's just, I don't know. It's November. Oh, in I guess that's right. It is in California. It's probably, it's probably comfy, you know? I guess it's true. But he yeah. probably just took a nap in one of the boxes. Yeah, <laughs> just curled up in there. <laughs> I, I dealt with rodents in my attic recently. I know how that works. You find the little tunnels that they leave and yeah. you know, chewed the corner of the corner of your boxes oh, out. It. Michael J. Fox is up in the rafters again. <laughs> 
What do you think the goodbye was like between old Biff <laughs> and young Biff? Like, was it was it was it kind of like that last scene in Star Trek between Zachary Quinto and Leonard Nimoy? Yeah, just uh, I mean, just well. Now that I've told you to commit murder, I'll, I'll be on my way. <laughs> I, I'm not. I don't know. It, it, it's, it's a super really good, late always. I mean, I just want to know what they were like small talking about. In the, like, I imagine on their way to the garage, it was a lot of um, uh, Biff trying to ask geriatric Biff, like, "Okay, so what's this about?" He's like, "I'll tell you when we get there." Okay, but I mean, you. Why don't you just tell me now? I'll tell you when I get there. Okay, well, yeah. but we're, I mean, we're almost, just tell me now, old man. Like, what, like, I just imagine it just went on like that for like 10 minutes of them driving home. It's a bit of, yeah, it's a bit of distance from, from one place to the other. <laughs> but it had an impact. I also had written down like Biff Horrific earlier in the movie, later in time, has this perfect memory of the exact words that old Biff uses in, you know, telling him one day you might meet a young kid or a crazy wild eyed guy claiming to be a scientist. And he just quotes it back to him in the casino later. Mm -hmm. As far as uh, saying goodbye, I I mean, I imagine where, where did, where did, uh, cause okay. So they drove there. I mean, we don't even know where old Biff parked the DeLorean in 55. Do we? Uh, that's a good question. No, it's, it's out there. I've seen it pointed out that at one point there are like five different versions of the DeLorean and at the same time in Hill Valley, like there's the one in the cave, the one behind the billboard, the one in Doc's lab, the one that old Biff took, like all these DeLoreans are in the city simultaneously. Yeah, no, it's amazing. Yeah. All the same DeLorean. You have to wonder who, yeah, if anyone... Yeah, I've seen, you know, like, there's a lot of Stumbled across the DeLoreans out there. Yeah. <laughs> um, Michael, J. Fox, then, yeah. Michael J. Fox opening the antenna of the walkie-talkie is so chatch. <laughs> He's very dramatic yeah, in opening it's, that it's thing. Like Martin it's Sheen, like he would have ripped it off. It's like point. Martin Sheen putting on a suit jacket. <laughs> yeah, and you guys talked about the, the crazy range on these things already, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just mind-boggling. Like cheap, like they make a point of showing the packaging almost like a joke moment of like, look at the crappy thing I bought. And then they proceed to work brilliantly throughout the rest of the movie. So, yeah. All right. Uh, oh, um, speaking of downtime, what, what what was Doc doing? Was he just like staring at the ground? No, he was working on the, uh, the, the, he was working on the car. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, working what? What was he working on? Oh, yeah, he was repairing the time circuits because they were auto-correcting to 1885. But he didn't do a very good job because they immediately take him to 1885. Right. No, no, I'm not saying he did, did wrong, but that was the plan. That's what he's been working on. So, so Kevin, what's your, uh, what's your background with the, with the series? When did you first watch it? Uh, I remember watching it on VHS. It came out when I was seven. I remember my mom kind of passive aggressively disapproving of all the vulgarity in the first movie. Uh, and just, I don't know, disapproving looks. Uh, and I was telling you like part two is still my favorite. I totally, I don't have a strong argument against any of the flaws you've pointed out. And I really hate the, like the Jennifer's situation. That's just more terrifying. The more we talk about it, you know, how she's treated in the movie, but I love the, like, 
Uh, I love the overlap of the storylines. I love how the Enchantment Under the Sea dance, how they just layer in the second story going on simultaneously, and they had to work that out so that it kind of backtracks to the first movie that this is technically going on right under our noses, uh, this whole separate action. So I think that's cool. And the appearance of the Western Union guy is like maybe one of my favorite movie, movie moments because I just... My, I could not even conceive of who this man is that shows up at this key moment and it unlocks this whole extra movie that's about to happen. So there's just enough in this movie to like really keep my enthusiasm oh, yeah. going. So I can watch it and yeah, the flaws are there, but there's, there's a lot to love and There's about a lot it. worse things for a movie to be than flawed, you know? And it's... Yes. And, and, <laughs> and, and this... And, it's it, it's just I can't I, the, as we're nearing the end I can't get over how much they try to do in this movie like just like, mm-hmm. like the breadth of it is 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 pretty it's pretty cool like you like if yeah. you know you wish that now you see me too and you know it, you know what I mean like it, it the, yeah. the level of specialness is still pretty palpable yeah yeah so yeah i mean uh, i love the paradox draft that you're talking about and i had heard about that before and 1967 would have been great uh but you know there's just enough and i also really loved the flying police car like earlier in the movie what would you name the cops or did they have names uh, reason foley reason foley i loved reason foley for some reason really appreciated it oh man yeah I have one like general question that occurred to me while I was making notes for this minute. At what point, if ever, does Doc find out that Marty destroyed his giant speaker? That's, I mean, I imagine when he finally goes home. Oh, we covered this. Yeah, does yeah. He, the, does he ever go yeah, yeah. home? When he, when, he, uh, when he drops off Marty at some point, he's like, I'm going back to my lab. And then we even talked about it in the show. We were like, he opens the garage door and he's like, what the shit? <laughs> <laughs> Would that be the first? I mean, is that in the Biff Horrific timeline, though, that that happens? Because at the so. end of part one, he immediately goes into the future. He just doesn't even stop for a change of clothes. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And then, you know, by the end, he's often flying trains, <laughs> forgetting about all the trouble that time travel causes he and his family are just going on yeah. wally world adventures. that should be the uh that should be the um the moment in jurassic world when they find like the old trucks from the first movie like they should and, and the, <laughs> when they do like back to the future world they should like find the speaker and it's like still exploded <laughs> it's still there <laughs> dust on it they can use that for the teaser for the inevitable sequel <laughs> 20 years, 20 years from now. Mm. All right. Roll is strong in my family. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, Kevin, thanks for uh, joining us on the, on our first uh, Patreon all-star episode. Such a pleasure guys. This is great. Do you have anything? Good excuse uh, to watch this thing again. You need to plug or anything like that. Uh, not really. I do a, uh, I do an improvised drunk history show called history under the influence that we tour around the country. So, uh, folks can like us on Facebook. we got shows coming up in Baltimore and Providence and Indianapolis. So we travel around a good bit. So there, have, that's uh, something I can plug going on in the Austin improv community. Yes. Oh yeah. I do a lot. I am a teacher of improv and performer of improv. So anyone in the Austin improv community probably knows me already, but hi guys. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we will be back tomorrow with another uh, Patreon All-Star winner. 
Uh, in the meantime, you can go to our website, DuelingGenre.com. You can check out our other podcast, The Doctor's Companion, and Geek by Night, our original audio drama. Uh, and you can go check out our Patreon page at DuelingGenre.com slash support. And, uh, you know, possibly uh, win a chance to be on the show next season for part three. So uh, go to DuelingGenre.com slash support. You can support us at the $5 level or higher, and that will give you all of the bonus content that we ever produce. Uh, but in order to get on the show, you have to be supporting at the $10 level or higher. Uh, but uh, yeah, go to go to our Patreon page. Check that out. Uh, you can also like us on Facebook, and we've started a, uh, a listener group on uh, on Facebook called the Back to the Future Minute Listener Preservation Society. So uh so go check that out and uh that'll be that'll be a cool way to like keep in touch with uh with everyone um all of our listeners and us uh will like post like fun I don't know memes or articles or whatever. Is it like a Merry Marvel Marching Society? I mean kind of. Yeah. Um anyway, so go check that out and uh we will be back tomorrow. Uh, and also, uh, of course, uh, special thanks to our Patreon associate producers, David Jeffries and Leeper. We will talk to you tomorrow. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye.